It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Celtics, your daily Celtics podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Man, I'm, so, I'm so hyped right now. Anything's possible. Oh, my mama. Oh, my mama made it, Anything's possible. Rainy days. Jump shot, fade away. This the best Celtics podcast day to day. I get excited about it every night about it. A real C's fan wouldn't want to live their life without it. Banner 18 in the making, we gotta make it. Best squad in the East and still we can't get complacent. Most winning franchise, so the history's ancient. You can tell the mother guys are going plan a vacation. Yeah, Corrales, Packard, and J. King Locked on, trying to get the 18th ring The most in-depth coverage that you ever gonna hear Well-respected in a city like Russell's career It's raining Jays Millie's Coach, you, um, back to these guys hanging their heads There's a, a bit of a confidence issue, it seems Did like Did I say uh, that? Sorry? Did I, are you, are you asking me or did I say they were hanging I'm, their heads? I'm saying okay. it seems like there's a confidence issue um, well, I guess then, is there, do you see that there's a confidence issue? And if there is, how do you, especially with these younger guys, how do you get them to kind of snap out of that? I mean, I, I think that that's a, maybe there's something there um, with that, with what you're saying. I think there's a lot of things that it could be. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, you build confidence through doing really hard things over and over and over because that's your focus, that's your intent. Your job is your focus. You know what you're supposed to do. You perform every assignment. You do it physically. You do it tough, and then all of a sudden, the ball goes in. It's just kind of funny how it works. The game honors it. Um, you know, I, I had an old friend that was a uh, one of the best NAI coaches ever um, and coached for 34 years in the state of Indiana, and his phrase that his team used was, the game honors toughness. And boy, is that true. You see that. You see that over and over. And um, so I would say that if we're struggling with the ball going in the hole, that we should just lock into what we need to do better, and that'll take care of itself. That was Brad Stevens talking about toughness. The theme out of the weekend was him questioning the Celtics' toughness and uh, a lot of kind of talking after a very, very disappointing loss to the Utah Jazz, 98-86. We're the Range A's. John Corrales, Jay King of The Athletic, going to talk about the Utah Jazz. Uh, actually, Sam Jam Packard and I talked about the Toronto Raptors. That was a game that happened uh, on Friday. That was a much better game, an overtime win. So that will be the third segment. Me and Sam recorded a post-game thing uh, after the Toronto game. But Jay and I are here to talk about the, the Jazz and this whole toughness thing. And I, I, the, the thing that just struck me from Brad Stevens is he didn't have to answer the question that way. He didn't have to go into the whole toughness thing. He didn't have to go into the game honors toughness and all of that. He could have just stopped at maybe there's a confidence thing. Maybe we'll have to get through it. But he just kept on going. And I know going into the press conference – after Brad Stevens subbed out most of the starters at the top of the fourth quarter, we were waiting for Mad Brad to show up. And at the end of the press conference post game, he finally kind of showed his frustration. I think he showed it all the way through. I mean, one of his first lines was 
that's just kind of who we are. Yeah, we, that's true. we have our moments and then we have our poor moments. And so he, he was pretty frustrated from the beginning of the press conference. I, I kind of figured he was going to show frustration based upon the number of times he like spun and slammed the scorer's table after the jazz had alley-oops during the game. Um, I also think he's, he's just kind of fed up with the inconsistency the Celtics have had so far. And I think a lot of the players are irritated by that so far. And I don't think the, the world is falling. They're still nine and seven. They're still pretty good. Like the start hasn't been totally terrible. The, the schedule, like if you look at the next month, if they go, if they reel off a ton of wins over the next month, I will not be surprised at all. If a month from now people are saying, oh, they're back, the Celtics are back, I won't be surprised at all because they're playing basically no one for a while and they're probably going to rack up a lot of wins. But it's just been, there have been some uninspired stretches of basketball so far. And Brad's frustrated and players are frustrated. And the the mood in the locker room was a little weird last night. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I really found it interesting post game that Kyrie kind of let us in. He pulled back the curtain a little bit and said that um, we had just. I know the Celtics had a like a four or four thirty something like that, a, a late shoot around, but it was so it was like a pregame shoot around where they put in the game plan for that night. And Kyrie said post game that basically we had just put in the game plan and guys were still not in the right spots. So. There's there's some frustration that like I don't know why I don't know who I I, I can guess I think you know I'm putting a lot of the, putting a lot of this on Tatum and Brown I, I I've kind of, I think Kyrie put a lot of it on well, Kyrie the young guys he, he he didn't name anyone but he 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 said the young guys and the his first Kyrie's first comment was yeah Tatum got to switch the first play of the game and just settled for a jumper. And I kind of knew at that point we were there was a telltale sign we weren't going to play well. It's like, yeah. oh, okay. So right, <laughs> the first play of the game, you, you look at that first play, the the switch happens, favors switches onto Tatum and he's in the corner, and Kyrie sees it and goes out to the wing. Tatum has the ball, he calls for the ball and tells Tatum he waves him over to the top, and gives Tatum the ball at the top of the key. Gordon Hayward on the left wing steps out. Jalen Brown on the left corner steps out. So everybody's clearing out space. Al Horford is walking away from the play. The lane is completely wide open. That's what uh, Kyrie is talking about there. And Tatum, instead of taking Derek Favors off the dribble, just pulls up from three. Now, it's, it's not the worst shot in the world, but it's also not what he should have done and not apparently what Kyrie expected. So first of all, there's that element of here we go. These guys are settling for shots and, and that's, that's bad. Secondly, Kyrie calling out Tatum, who's like, it seems like his little brother in the locker room. And it was funny because moments before that moments before Kyrie said the things about the young guys, like he and Tatum had had a, what seemed like a really fun conversation. Like they they were going back and forth with jokes, and then Tatum kind of Tatum walked out, and Kyrie went to the media and, <laughs> and just kind of roasted him. 
kind of lit into the young guys a little bit. So it was it was interesting. Uh, I don't think – like Kyrie pointed the finger at himself too. It wasn't like he was only going at the young guys. He said he made some dumb fouls and mm-hmm. he, he blamed himself for, for some uncharacteristic mistakes. So it wasn't like he was only pointing his finger at the young guys, but I thought it was – Telling that he 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 thought the young guys needed to adapt to the pressure that's put on them. Like last year, they had no expectations. They were just kind of out there and doing their own thing. And now the expectations are there. And when they lose, now it's like there's scrutiny. Yeah. And and I think this is the first time in probably Brad's tenure that that this has been the case. And the first time for some of these young guys that this has been the case like when they lose they're now expected to win they're now expected to be one of the best teams at eastern conference so even when they lose they lost to a good jazz team like that's a really good jazz team they lost to but because of the expectations because of what people think this team can be it's more and and i think there's been an adjustment period for some of the players to that. And I think obviously on the court, they're still certainly adjusting to, to the new hierarchy and the new ecosystem. And these guys, like they haven't figured it out offensively. Certainly. Um, I mean, their numbers in the jet, they, they were blown out for the most part. Their number, their defensive ratings, in that game, still would have been it would have led the league for the entire season. <laughs> well, which is outrageous. And and Brad's Brad's out there questioning the toughness, and it's like, well, the defense, like, yeah, they gave up some alley oops, but the defense held a good Jazz team to what would be the best defensive rating in the NBA. Right. And it's like, and it's like, so so the toughness to me is like the toughness is I don't know if you ever read Jay Billis's. Um, piece on toughness and his thing is like toughness isn't about like being physically strong or you know being like a a dominant physical presence it's about doing the right thing time after time and i think that's where this celtics team has fallen apart a little bit is that they get out of themselves when things go wrong and they start settling for jumpers and when things spiral a little bit, they don't respond like they did last year. Last year's team got down double digits almost every All game, it seemed like. But they always stuck together and they always trusted the system and they always seemed to come back. And this year, even when they do come back, they haven't finished the comebacks. And it's, it's, it's like when things go wrong, they don't totally trust it yet. And I, I think that's, that's understandable because of everyone switching roles and Hayward's coming back and he's still not himself. And there's so much going on with this team right now, but it's also, that's the case right now. They just don't trust everything right now. And, and that's, that's the toughness Brad's talking about. It's not physical toughness. It's not defensive toughness. It's we need to have the mental mindset to do this play after play, no matter what is going on. And they don't have that right now. Well, again, go back to the quote from the top of the podcast where he said, uh, you build your confidence through doing hard things over and over. Uh, and, and because that's your focus, that's your intent, your job is your focus. 
his whole thing is the focus. It's the mental thing. There's no doubt. Like if, if you put the 30 NBA teams into a WWE cage match, the Celtics would have a very good chance of coming out of that cage match because they are a bunch of physically tough guys. But mentally, they have a lot of problems because it's the same story that we've had over and over again, that these guys, when things aren't going right for them, they they don't respond well. And to use the pejorative, it this is what you would call a front-running team. When things are going well, it's great. When things are going uh. Poorly. Uh, uh, hold on. Hold on. When things are going poorly, it's not great. I'm not saying they're a front running team. But I, I, I was just going to say they were down eight in the fourth quarter against the Raptors the night before and came back and won. Right. But but generally, when things go poorly, they can they, they don't respond well. Now, but when things go well, they don't respond well either. <laughs> like the Nuggets game, they're up 20. They lost that. It's like. But it's not, it's not for whole games though. They, it's, it's weird. That's, that's kind of where I'm getting at. It's not for whole games. They, they'll get up 20 and then it's like, okay, we're cool. And then things start to go badly. And then like Brad, Brad has said this a, a bunch of times so far in this, this stretch. We're either good or we're bad. We're not mediocre. We're either really good or we're really bad. There's no in between. So. When when things are going great, they, they can feed off of the greatness. When then at some point things turn turn sour, and then it just it, it feeds into this long stretch of it just devolves into a mess, and 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 they get down to like twenty, and then they get desperate. And going back to Brad Stevens when he said before we don't hunt well until we get desperate. And we've been desperate a lot when they get down, then they get desperate and then things start to snap back into focus. It's weird with this team right now. It's hard. It's hard to really explain, but the mental toughness part that Brad is talking about is not these big wild stretches, not this big manic, you know, disorder that the Celtics have right now. The toughness is when the other team hits a few shots, or when you miss a few shots, you just go to the next play, and you don't go into isolation, and you don't go into whatever it is the Celtics go into, and you don't start to sulk, or you don't start to like slump your shoulders and have it affect other aspects of your game. The toughness for the Celtics is, okay, I missed an open jumper. I'm going to go back down, and I'm going to be in the right spot defensively, and play, play this next possession like the last one didn't happen and and that's where the Celtics are really lacking right now they let multiple possessions get affected by something bad that happened they'll pull out of it at some point in the game but they still let something bad affect multiple possessions and that's bad and that's where the toughness comes in yeah and I think a lot of it is just guys trying to adjust to roles that have shifted from last year. And I, I, as much as we talked about this all the time over the off season, like this is one of our few topics we repeated all the time over the off season. I think we underrated it. The fact that these young players who were given all the freedom in the world during the playoffs now come back and things are totally different. 
and and things are totally different for Jalen Brown. Things are totally different for Jason Tatum. Things are totally different for Terry Rozier. Like it is a totally new world for those guys. And thriving in this new world is the balance that they have to strike and the balance that has been really tough for this Celtics team so far. If you look at the numbers, it's obvious. The the offense is what has dragged the team down mm-hmm. every all the time. It's just the offense, the offense, the offense. They have enough talent. Offense shouldn't be an issue. Like they have shooters everywhere. Shooters aren't shooting well. Shooters don't know when they should be aggressive. Players don't know when to drive, when to pass, when to ISO. It's like like guys are just totally – it's an awkward fit right now. And and they need to learn how to get out of that. And they, they there's just a lot that these Celtics need to work through. And it is just – it's been, <laughs> yeah, it's been awkward at times. It's been worse than awkward at times. And sometimes it's been great. Sometimes it's been like, oh man, this team is really, really cooking. And I think Gordon Hayward's current status has complicated everything mm-hmm. because like he was really good against Toronto. That was, I think, pretty substantially his best game of the season. And then he tries to play back to back after playing 39 minutes. And he threw a couple turnovers where the Jazz, like, they didn't even consider helping when he was in the paint because they figured he wasn't going to try to rise up and explode in the paint. And he, he's just, he's not always himself right now. He's shown flashes of like the playmaking, the, He's he's shown flashes of every once in a while. It's like, oh, whoa, Gordon Hayward's really helping right now. Um, but other times he is just not mobile enough, not decisive enough, not bouncy enough to to be what he is. And I think that's a tough adjustment for everyone, not just him. And I, obviously it's hardest on him. Because he's like, what the hell? Like, <laughs> that's an easy play. That's an easy play. I would have made so so easily for so many years of my career and now everything's a little tougher but also it's it's tough for everybody else because here's gordon hayward who's supposed to be one of the guys one of the guys who makes everything easier for everyone else and right now that's not always the case right now he's struggling and they're just and honestly i i expect the celtics to rip off a ton of wins over the next month because their schedule stinks and they're still a pretty damn good team. Like even, <laughs> right, right. even the way they've played, they've, they're the best defense in the league and like their net rating is still whatever plus two or plus three or whatever it is. Um, but they, their offense is, is just disgusting sometimes. And they, they need to. They need to figure a lot out. They you, do. You bring up a lot of good points. Let's take a, a, a pause here because I want to touch on. There's a lot of stuff there that I want to kind of focus on because it's stuff that I've I've kind of been talking about on Twitter and I've written about a little bit on Red's Army. So, but before we get into that conversation, uh, I want to just point out to anybody here who's got a local business 
If your company is looking for a new way to reach customers, you can be mentioned right now. This is where I would normally do an ad read. So you can have your business advertised here in this spot. Podcast listeners are 60% more likely to interact with sponsors that they hear on their podcasts. Okay. Because podcasts are very focused and it's not like you're advertising on the radio where it's just kind of all over the place. You know exactly what you're getting when you get into a podcast. Our demographic is 98% men. That's who we get. Podcast listeners in general have more education. They have more earning power. It's just a, a, a different kind of audience than your, your typical radio. So sp- Spend your money on podcasts and spend your money here on the Locked On Celtics podcast. Uh, email us, LockedOnCeltics at gmail.com. LockedOnCeltics at gmail.com. We'll give you more information. Uh, it's This is the, the, the place to go for uh, to, to, to grow your business and, and to, to get that uh, bang for your buck for your advertising dollars. NFL teams making bold final moves before the start of the season. From our local experts to your ears, these are the biggest stories on the Locked On Podcast Network. The Tennessee Titans have announced a one-year deal with linebacker Jadavion Clowney, reportedly worth $15 million. Tyler Rowland of Locked On Titans tells you if it's going to be enough to get Tennessee back to the AFC title game. In other moves around the league, the Miami Dolphins named Ryan Fitzpatrick starting quarterback, which means Tua will be back up for the time being. And the Detroit Lions have agreed to a one-year deal with running back Adrian Peterson. Peterson was released by the Washington football team last Friday. For more NFL news and analysis, subscribe to the new Peacock and Williamson NFL show and listen to a brand new lineup on Locked On NFL. They'll have division previews every day this week. Local experts on the biggest stories, it's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You're up to date on your favorite team, but what about the competition? John Hollinger and Nate Duncan are evaluating every bubble contender on Hollinger and Duncan. Rejecting the screen goes behind the scenes with in-depth interviews and the Locked On NBA podcast is recapping games daily. Let the Locked On NBA network of podcasts take care of your NBA bubble scouting reports. Hollinger and Duncan, rejecting the screen, the Locked On NBA podcast. Subscribe to the best trio of NBA podcasts on the planet, wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, Jay. So a couple of things here when it comes to the offense and just so focused on the offense, but I think the Celtics biggest problem right now is that there's no clear number two guy. There's, there's Kyrie. He's the clear number one. When they need a bucket, he can cook and he's going, he's going as good as as he's gone in his, his career. He's, he's really on top of his game. Gordon Hayward is supposed to be the number two guy, but he's not Gordon Hayward anymore. He's, he's Gordon Hayward minus the, whatever, has been sapped because of his recovery from injury while he gets back to Gordon Hayward. And he still does a lot of things. Well, he still passes very, very well, but until he gets back to a level where he becomes the clear number two, I think Jason Tatum has tried to stake his claim as the number two. I think Jalen Brown has tried to search for his own offense more than he should. And when we looked at last year versus this year, the the biggest difference is those three guys, 
One, we have Gordon Hayward, but he's just not what he was when they signed him. They have Jason Tatum, but last year he was a rookie who deferred. And we spent all last season saying, I wish Jason Tatum would be more aggressive and hunt for his, his, own, his own offense a little bit more. And now this year he's hunting for his own offense a lot. And we're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Dial it back. Let's get more of what last year defer a guy that, you know, that, that picked his spots. And Jalen Brown, I, I continue to think that he, as the kind of fourth or fifth option on this, is not happy as the fourth or fifth option. Jalen Brown should be, if he was, if we were just assigning a role and he would accept it, he should be a catch and shoot corner three guy who drove against clo- drives against closeouts and dunks in transition. Like that's all his offense should be. I don't blame him for trying to do more than that and trying to be more because I think he can be more eventually. And I think he wants to be more because everybody wants to be more than what their pigeonhole has. But if he could just do those things, if he could just say, all right, I will spot up. I will space the floor. I will catch and shoot when I'm open when they close out and I can put the ball on the floor and take one or two dribbles and get to the rim, I'll do it. And then I'll get into transition. He could probably average 15, 16, 17 points a game, just doing those things. So all of this is to say that the Celtics have the formula there for what should be a good offense. Kyrie is the guy. Gordon Hayward is the number two. Tatum is two a, Brown is everything I just said he was, and Al Horford is the facilitator. If all of those things happened exactly like that, this offense would be great. But Hayward's not the number two at this point. Uh, Tatum is trying to do too much offensively, too much individually. Jalen Brown, I think, is trying to do a little too much individually. His numbers are ghastly. They are, I mean, 36.2% from the field, 27.3% from the three-point arc. He has been. It, the shooting is terrible. The shooting it's is terrible. It's it's been bad. And look, and a lot it's of these are open bad. shots. But I I just think he's not. It's not that he's just missing open shots. I think it's it's all a cumulative effect of the type of offense that he's trying to to play. If he if he just was a catch and shoot guy and was was happy and comfortable doing that. That would be then. I think he would hit more shots. They got to find a way to to get him to hit more shots. One thing I keep coming back to, and this might it might not be on base, um, but it's just something that has come to my mind while watching him play recently. When he was at Harvard, and he was giving his speech, he had a question and answer session, and one of the things he said during that was that he thinks sometimes he thinks too much while playing basketball. Like, that's really like he, he thinks, he thinks about what he should do. He thinks about what he shouldn't do. He overthinks, thinks things sometimes. And so I keep coming back to that when he's, you know, missing some layups that normally it would be makes for him. And when he's missing pretty open three pointers pretty regularly, I keep thinking back to that. Like, is, is he just, trying too hard to fit into this um and i i know that 
that this is a tough adjustment for him, but, and, and maybe, maybe, maybe that's not what's really happening, but I just keep thinking back to that, um, while watching him play and while watching some of the, the difficulties he's gone through early in the season. That, that look, I, I would totally completely buy into that because, um, it, it, it fits kind of what I'm seeing on the floor that, that, He's not in the right spots, and if he's not in the right spots, then he it means that he's late, and if he's late, something's making him late. And it's the one thing I've always learned uh, when I was playing basketball. If you're thinking on the floor, you're screwed. Like, thinking is for practice. And if you're on the floor and you're just like, offensively anyway, I get like, you should be reacting. Like basically you should be reacting. The game should be muscle memory. You should be able to like defensively you should say, "Okay, here's this. I see this screen, I see this thing, I see I hear this play call. I got to do blah blah blah." If you're reacting, you're moving that half step quicker. And basketball is that especially at this level, if you're reacting and you're making that that step that move immediately versus thinking and you're a half step behind that's the difference between defensively getting beaten for a layup offensively that's the difference between a charge and getting a foul call uh it's just it's so precise professional basketball professional sports so precise that anything that slows you down can really, really mess up your game. So I wouldn't be surprised if, and I don't remember him saying that. I don't remember reading that. So that wouldn't surprise me. And I think that's something to follow up on with him. He, he needs to get to a place if the, if, if that's happening, he needs to get to a place where he's just reacting. And we talk about the, the Celtics offense. It's a read and react offense. You got to read and react. You don't have to read, think it through, and then do something. It's just read, react, go. So, anyway, that's <laughs> get him. Yeah, no, it's, I'm not. I'm not even trying to get him. I just, <laughs> I just want the. I I really want him to succeed because I think he can be a really good player. But if if he's stuck thinking things through, then he's got to he's got to adjust. Um, so. Uh, this could be as simple as once Gordon Hayward is healthier and once Gordon Hayward becomes more of what he he is expected to be, then other things snap into place because then he becomes the obvious number two option. And players on the floor will be like, okay, like you can sit there and watch Kyrie cook and just know that Kyrie's better. If you don't know who the next guy is, who's better than you, like – We've all been on the uh, on the basketball court. You and I have played basketball. I know who on the floor is either better than me in general or playing better than me that night. So I know who to get the ball to when the situation calls for it. If no one knows who to get the ball to, if the star guy is doesn't have the ball and, and he's being taken out of it and there's no other guy – then it's a bunch of guys going like, okay, I, I got to try my thing. I got to try something. 
So, and and that's just not right. Like, there's got to be a hierarchy. And I've said this before on the podcast. There's got to be a hierarchy with these guys. There's there's just too many guys. The Celtics have too many guys who are at the same level. And they need to have a very clear hierarchy. To, to I would argue that the hierarchy thing doesn't matter. As long as everybody is willing to commit to getting a good shot for the team. Like, it doesn't matter who's number one, who's number two, who's number three. If you're not going to settle for a mid-range jumper with 10 seconds on the shot clock, and if you're going to try to beat switches and get into the paint and create a driving dish for another teammate, like it, the hierarchy doesn't matter. What matters is that the Celtics haven't, as a team, meshed to the point where, as Steven says, they hunt great consistently. And, and maybe the hierarchy thing, I think that complicates things because I think a lot of teams, like you look at the Houston Rockets, for example, like they're going to give James Harden the ball and they're going to run a pick and roll and he's going to find them a good or great shot every time. And and the Celtics are different because they want all five guys to be able to attack and make plays. And when some of those guys settle or some of those guys aren't, aren't willing to commit to hunting great, hunting great. <laughs> I've said it that way too many times this podcast, but, but it's true. Um, then, then they're going to suffer un- until everyone can, can make that commitment on a possession to possession basis. All right. Let's, let's kind of leave that there. There's a lot to digest. The Celtics play uh, in Charlotte. Monday night, and they'll hopefully, hopefully, kind of clear thing, clear some of this up. Charlotte is a decent team, not great. Uh, Kemba Walker is a great player, just scored 60 points. Hopefully they can figure some of this out. Uh, in the meantime, we will come back with some thoughts. We'll end it on a positive note. Thoughts from me and from Sam Jam Packard recorded on Friday night. After the Celtics beat and That was such a fun game to watch. That was an amazing game. I mean, the, the Celtics beat the Raptors 123-116 in overtime. Kyrie Irving was amazing. He was just on fire. That was a fun, fun game. So we'll end with me and Sam post-game Friday recorded at the Garden. Uh, let's listen to that. Celtics beat the Toronto Raptors 123-116. Kyrie Irving, the big story, 43 points, 11 assists. Monster night came in in the fourth quarter uh, with the Celtics down uh, big and, well, not big, but like eight. And he uh, ended up helping turn this game around. Uh, they got uh, a big performance also from Marcus Morris, mostly defensively. Gordon Hayward played 39 minutes. That's a big story. Jason Tatum had 21. So here you are, we are, uh, Jim. First of all, I guess the biggest thing is Kyrie had one of the best performances I've seen on the basketball court. Uh, frankly, I thought it was uh, pretty peaceful. That's the way Kyrie <laughs> described it uh, after the game. But he was amazing tonight. Uh, the, the thing that was most wild was his efficiency. Uh, 18 for 26 is an insane shooting percentage to shoot for one game. And he only attempted 6-3, so a lot of that was finishing at the rim. It felt like he was just in the zone where any angle he took to the rim, he was going to be able to finesse a way to get it into the basket. Mook said after the game, he, my, Kyrie must have got A's in English class, but all the English he put on the ball, <laughs> which is a great line. 
Um, but it's true, and he really propelled the team forward um, in the fourth quarter. I thought that, and they, I thought the Celtics did a very good job um, defense, especially late. Uh, it started off ending the third quarter, um, but then to end the game, and then in overtime, uh, they did a very good job on Kawhi Leonard. Um, it helped that some some of the Raptors uh, fouled out of the game, but I thought it was just defense and Kyrie Irving being pretty much unstoppable uh, is what got the W tonight. Yeah, speaking of that, Danny Green fouling out was a big deal. Uh, who else fouled out? It was Siakam. Uh, Pascal Siakam fouled out. Who was very good tonight. Yes, Pascal Siakam. Is, oh, he's just very good. 16 points, 9 rebounds, 6 of 11 shooting. He always seems to have like an efficient night. So losing those guys was big for the Raptors. The Raptors, look, we... They may complain about fouls, but they had a, a third quarter that was just ugly and gross. And when they went to the free throw line like 15 times to uh, to really take over that the game at that point. So uh, another big story here, we can gush around about Kyrie, but with two games this weekend, we've got to keep it moving. The other big story, uh, Gordon Hayward, 39 points. He said after the game that it was a uh, kind of a nice to, to get back into a game like that in he is just taking those next steps. Brad Stevens keeps saying he needs to be a jack-of-all-trades, which he was again tonight. Five rebounds, five assists, on 15 points on eight shots. Again, another efficient scoring night. Hayward did a lot. He also had four steals um, and drew the big offensive uh, or the foul on Siakam that fouled him out of the game. I thought he did a good job rebounding. Brad mentioned that he's playing a lot of the four, um, and so I thought he had some some tough moments defensively against Siakam, who's just, again, super long and super good, but I thought he overall played well. And he kind of had two stretches there. Um, There's a moment where he's playing in the bench to start or to end the first quarter, start the second. Jalen Brown came in, um, and it was Gordon, Jalen, and the bench, and they um, really went on a run for the Celtics. They went uh, opened the quarter, I think, on a... 14-4 run. Finished the quarter on like a losing a 17 or like a 19-2 to two run. So, you know, classic Celtics. Uh, and they say basketball is a game of runs. Um, I think I just coined that phrase. But I thought Hayward in general, great for that he played that many minutes. And then um, after having that good kind of run in the first half, um, had some moments in the second half where it looked like, and in overtime, where it looked like they were trying to get him the basketball. I think he scored four points in overtime. Nice fadeaway. They were able to attack Kyle Lowry on some switches and just using their size. So I thought it was a good performance from Hayward. Um, brilliant adjustment by Brad just by um, telling him to play better. Um, I thought that was I think uh, that's very big. smart. Um, Gonna hand it to the coach on that one. But I think the jack of all trades quote is interesting because obviously he's not going to be your go-to scorer, especially when you have Kyrie Irving play like this. But there were moments when he was the second unit's backup facilitator, or if Kyrie was, uh, they switched Kawhi onto him for a play. Hayward could be the guy who kind of play makes in that opportunity. So I think it's going to be Kyrie's going to want to be the guy who gets big numbers, and occasionally Tatum will go off. But then you're just going to have Al and Hayward. Uh, being very, very solid basketball players. And I think that's kind of the formula for success at this point. Yeah, uh, I, I would agree with that. Just be solid. Be better. A big Brad Stevens coaching adjustment. Uh, one adjustment that he did make, though, Marcus Morris playing the 33 minutes to Jalen Brown's 25. Jalen Brown came out aggressive. I thought he came out really great. And it was I thought it was going to shape up to be another big Jalen Brown night. Uh, he tailed off, I think, in the second half. He started to settle for those jumpers and threes and, and get away from the attacking. So Brad Stevens kind of went away from him. And he, after the game, Brad Stevens said it was because Mook did a better job on uh, Kawhi Leonard. 
But I have to think that Jalen Brown not doing the things, the aggressive things early on was was part of it. But Morris did do a pretty decent job on Kawhi Leonard, as decent a job as you can you can do. Uh, 31 points for Leonard, but 11 of 25 shooting. It's still not a bad shooting night, but uh, 0 of 3 from 3, and Kawhi missed that shot to that could have won the game uh, and the reason why we even had overtime in the first place. So Mook got the minutes instead of Jalen Brown. Yeah, I think a large part of it was that defensive matchup. Um, the Celtics, any other defender really had a tough time stopping Kawhi tonight. Kawhi, we saw post up smart successfully multiple times. That's which is shocking. Which is very rare, but this is actually the first time the Celtics have ever beaten Kawhi. Uh, he was 9-0 and against the Celtics going into this game, and they don't really have the best. Um, it feels like they do a very good job against stopping um Players like like Ben Simmons, Giannis, and Bede, some of the great better players. But Kawhi always seems to feast. Tonight, Mook was right. He uh, he kept Kawhi to a relatively inefficient 11 for 25, um, and it just made sense that the Celtics were clearly playing better with uh, with Mook in the game. Um, Jalen Brown, he only played like. Basically, the whole team had a pretty dreadful second quarter where they didn't score. They only scored 10 points for the final seven minutes. But then Jalen Brown, uh, they had a, like a, a slow start to the third, and they they went back to Brad Amelia went to that switch to Mook, and it kind of um, it made things a little bit better for that. And it's just that's the thing with the Celtics. I mean, it's they're gonna have to be adults and handle this, but matchup dependent, they're gonna put the best five guys out there. And we've seen portions of the game where. Uh, Al Horford sat the other night. Um, Jalen Brown is probably the most likely to sit right now because he's been um, not the most consistent, but that's kind of the beauty of having the depth that they have. Sometimes it's going to be Smart stepping in. Sometimes it's going to be Morris. Sometimes it's going to be Rozier. Yeah, and look, early in the third quarter, Brad Stevens called the Mad Brad timeout, and then a couple minutes later he pulled Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum four minutes into the quarter to change the energy because they started the third quarter kind of sluggish. And it, it kind of worked. That, that, that kind of helped the Celtics at least stay within reach. There was a, there was a point there where it threatened to get out of control. Of course, reinserting uh, Kyrie Irving helped in that regard, but look, Jalen had wasn't having a good game. Jalen Brown was having actually a pretty terrible game. And then he came out, and then when he came back in, I think later on, whether that got him right, whether that got his head right, I don't know, playing alongside Kyrie and getting that overflow certainly helps. But uh, Tatum was was big down the stretch. But uh, Jay, uh, you see Brad Stevens not afraid to take those guys out if if he feels like they're not performing. Yeah, and I think the, the biggest uh... – the biggest thing I want to like, or the last thing I want to just focus on, is just bringing it back to the defense again. The Celtics were down eight points, uh, closing out the third quarter, and they really got a number of consecutive stops that got them back into this game. And the fourth quarter is where I thought they played their their best defense, and that was uh, largely res- uh, responsible for Mook, or Mook was largely responsible for that. I also want to credit Kyrie. Um, he's made some more hustle plays on defense. That I had the most homer uh, note in my. Uh, notes for the game and said Kyrie's doing a really good job contesting at the rim after he gets beat off the dribble 
It was like it was after he got a block on Lowry, but I actually down the stretch I thought he did a, a good job um, being very aggressive, switching out on the screens. They were really trying to attack him. The one time he had jumped down on the screen, actually forced Kawhi out of bounds for a big turnover. That was big. I thought he did a very good job. There, another time Kawhi is coming down for an easy layup, he forces a jump ball, which uh, the Celtics eventually win. I'm saying because of the uh, very funky tunes they were playing after that jump ball timeout. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but Kyrie, uh, he gets knocked for his, uh, I guess, effort on defense sometimes sometimes dying on screens but i don't know what it is with it it's like either he's when he's playing an oracle or he consenses a big game when the when the energy's going right it feels like he definitely rises to the occasion and so this was like i would say it have to be the best performance he's had as a celtic that really is i mean he did it on both ends of the floor i was going to say i wanted to ask him after the game but didn't get a chance uh his defense has been he's he's really been focused on the defense this this season i mean look kyrie the knock on kyrie is that he doesn't play defense and you know i remember when they even traded for him there was the well his his defense is maybe a little bit better than isaiah thomas's but not much but this season has been just really really good i mean for him anyway and in this game, he, he did have a lot of pretty good defensive plays, deflections. I still think he leads the league in deflections. The other night he had five steals. Uh, I don't know what he had for steals three tonight. Three tonight. So, I mean, steals aren't the always the be-all, end-all defensive metric, but it's still pretty good, and he he's among the league, uh, I'm sorry, the team leaders in defensive rating. So Kyrie doing it on both ends of the floor. So the Celtics beat the Toronto Raptors, get a little measure of revenge, 123-116. Obviously, for those standings watchers in the middle of, the, of, of November, that's a, game. that's a game. That's a full game. That's a full game that they picked up. All right, that's me and Sam Jam Packard after the Celtics beat the Raptors on Friday night. Thanks to him. Thanks to Jay. Thanks to you for listening to the podcast. Uh, if you're not a regular uh, listener, if this is one of your first podcasts, I uh, hope you've enjoyed it. Thank you very much. Appreciate you. Go ahead and subscribe. Search for Lockdown Celtics wherever podcasts exist. If you are a subscriber and you haven't given us that five-star rating, please do give us that good written review. That really is a form of payment. We don't ask you for money, but that's a way to pay us because that will help us rise through the rankings. It really helps us out. And, of course, as always, I know some of you have, and I really love that you did. Share the podcast. Tell your friends. Tell the world. Listen to the Locked On Celtics podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Rejecting the screen has been retweeted by Kobe, Dame Lillard, and Vince Carter. So it's fair to say you should give it a shot. I'm Noah Kozlov. And I'm Adam Stanko. Rejecting the screen hits your feed every Tuesday and Thursday. On Tuesday, we talk hoops and a little bit of life. On Thursday, we go ISO with a guest. Stories from anyone and everyone who has touched the NBA with tales we promise you've never heard before. Find Rejecting the Screen right now wherever you get podcasts and hit that subscribe button.